The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. And now, here's Brandon. Welcome to a brand new series of Old Space Show. I'm Brandon, and I want to introduce you to my new companion aboard this TARDIS, Rachel Friend. Hello. Hello. This installment of Old Space Show features a story-by-story look at the Colin Baker era of Doctor Who, year one. Before we dive in to our story today, I want to welcome Rachel here to Old Space Show, filling in the shoes of Mr. Jim Dietz, and yeah. thank you for joining me on this chapter. Let's talk about you. Rachel is the host of the Five-ish Fangirls podcast. That's how I, that's, that was your show when I met you, but mm-hmm. you have multiple endeavors now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's say I'm, I'm in Indiana, so you and I, our social circles have overlapped quite right. a bit. But yeah, I have been part of the Five-ish Fangirls podcast for six and a half years. So it'll be seven this June. Actually, our anniversary is on Colin Baker's birthday. We did not plan it that way, but <laughs> I, you know, I like it. We actually came together out of our love for Doctor Who. I came into Doctor Who in 2012, <laughs> mostly out of uh, FOMO based on seeing all my friends post about it on Facebook. They were kept talking about this show and posting pictures, and finally, I saw dino- you know somebody talking about dinosaurs on a spaceship, and I'm like, "What is the show, and why am I not watching it?" <laughs> so I start I started watching Doctor Who. Did not hook me at first, though. Surprisingly enough, I started with the Ninth Doctor and Rose, but it, it took a while for it to hook me. Uh, but once it did, I jumped in to the deep end, and it is snowballed into. The Five-ish Fangirls, which the name in itself is an homage to the Five-ish Doctors reboot from the 50th anniversary year. And we've been podcasting weekly ever since. You know, me and my friends are spread out all over the country, but we were just like, hey, we like talking with each other about these nerdy things, not just Doctor Who, but the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Star Wars and all these other things and we're like well we're talking about it already why don't we just record it and put it out as a podcast <laughs> and that's what we've been doing ever since but it's been an amazing amazing thing it's opened up a lot of doors and given us all opportunities that we never would have had if we weren't doing it including talking to people from Doctor Who, <laughs> among other things, and attending conventions, and I am Booth Mom. Uh, yes, you are. You are so, Booth Mom. Yes. Uh, Booth Mom will return once it is safe. Yeah, and in doing that, 
it has connected me with lots of other podcasters. And in that turn, in the, the once the pandemic hit, I had Holly, who's one of my co-hosts, had guested on Happiness and Darkness, which is a superhero podcast. And Nick, who is a amazing guy he's italian <laughs> so his fun accent is always fun you know the way he pronounces things he extended the invitation to the rest of us it's like hey if you ever you know and holly was like hey, i had a great time on this show and she's like you know get in touch with nick and he'll find a topic for you so i ended up going on his show and talking captain marvel and we had such a fun time and i didn't think anything of it and then nick messaged me and he's like hey i have this idea for a new show and i want you to be one of my co-hosts i was like okay <laughs> and not long after the five-ish fangirls actually sixth anniversary last year we launched the gold standard and we are bi-weekly we are watching every academy award winner for best picture in chronological order and that has been it's a tall task. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, trying to get your hands on, especially the old stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, streaming's got everything. No, it nope. Doesn't. No, nope. It doesn't. There are some things that are just not out there for streaming. Right. So, the, ever since I started that, and because of the pandemic, I mean, you know, stuck at home and having a lot of time on my hands, hence doing two podcasts now, I got myself a library card. And actually, my local library has been mm -hmm. the best resource for getting my hands on pretty much everything I've needed for awesome. every show. <laughs> that library and support your local library, yeah. kids. Canopy, their app Canopy has exactly. a treasure trove of streaming stuff, and it's free. Exactly, so. yeah. yeah. Your local library, more than likely, unless you live out like the boonies, probably. And mm -hmm. even then, they probably still have some resources. Because it, it's not just going to the library and getting books now these days. They have mm -hmm. so much available. It's crazy. That's including like, Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. They have every, like all the out-of-print ones. They still got them. Mm -hmm. All the out-of-print DVDs. Yep. With Doctor Who, when I first met you, you had the the most brilliant spin on six doctor cosplay <laughs> it's definitely unique uh, i don't think uh, and i think a lot of uh, the the few times i've worn it out i don't think a lot of people get it <laughs> i'm not even sure if actually colin baker got it yeah <laughs> not that but i really once you care. say something you're um, like oh 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 yeah oh like it yeah, might not that, jump out, but when you say when you mention and you look, it's like, oh, that's really neat. Yeah, that's all there. It, it was one of my early cosplay ideas, building something from scratch. You know, not just pulling stuff out of my closet or going right. to the thrift store or whatever. Is I wanted to do something six doctor, but unexpected. So I have a. It's essentially a feminized six doctor but it's steampunk yeah as well so it's got the colors and patterns from his costume but not necessarily put together in the same combination you had the goggles before jody yeah yeah that is true i was sporting the uh the goggles before jody so mm -hmm. but i've got the the plaid which the the red and white plaid he didn't wear that vest very often i think he wears that yeah. one mostly in trial the time lord actually and then the scarf around the neck that's mm -hmm. another crazy color. And then 
there's there's a long skirt and then an overskirt and the long skirt is green like his his shoes i've got orange spats <laughs> so and then the 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 yellow the pinstripe yellow um that his pants were is the kind of shorter overskirt which was not easy to find because colin baker's pants that is not clothing fabric that is oh. upholstery fabric really Yes, the his pants were made out of. Uh, fits. So. It fits. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it fits. Yeah. You know, and I got I got myself pocket watch, and I got a cat. Uh, yeah. Instead of the coat, I have a patchwork top hat, essentially. Mm-hmm. But I've got a cat pin on it. So. <laughs> I have a I have a cat that cat pin on my laptop bag. Nice. Um, the first one, the one from Attack of the Cybermen, uh, Veros, and I think Twindlum. I I, I I put that on. I'm like, yeah. that's, I love it because it's yeah. it's one of the most super obscure Doctor Who nods you could have on yeah. something. Yeah. So, yeah. So, maybe one of these days I'll make myself a cat pin that looks like the cat I used to have because most mm-hmm. of Colin's cat pins were actually based on his cats. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, my cat pin is a fancy bejeweled thing I picked up in an antique antique store. Gotcha. Because it has to be over the top. Of course. <laughs> it's got to be loud. And yep. And Colin, of course, we're talking a bunch about Colin because he's your he's your favorite doctor. Which yes, is, it's a unique choice, but he has plenty of fans. I out get there. a lot of crazy looks when I meet New mm-hmm. Whovians, and they're like, "Who's your favorite doctor?" And I go, "The Sixth Doctor." And you would have think I just told them that Davros was my father or something. Yeah. I think yeah. it's it's an interesting, <laughs> it's an honest choice. My thing is like, how did that happen? You know, because. You were introduced, what, you started with the new series, and then you went, did you go back through the classic series in order? Did you start at a certain doctor and you went back? I, I watched through the new series, mm-hmm. what they had available on streaming on Hulu. That tells you how long ago Yeah, yeah, because it used to be Hulu, Netflix, had or it. Netflix, not yeah, okay. Hulu. It's Netflix. Okay. That tells you even further back. Yeah, so at the time in 2012, Netflix had the new series up to like the start of Matt Smith's run mm-hmm. um, streaming and anything beyond that you had to get via DVD through the mail. Right. <laughs> and the wait list was 5 million years long. Amy Pond is not the only girl who waited. And <laughs> uh, so in the meantime, you know, I'm waiting for, you know, to get the start of Matt Smith's run in the mail. And so I go back and start watching the classic who that they have available mm-hmm. and they had the very first first doctor so an unearthly child mm-hmm. they had like one story for the second doctor i think a couple for the third most of it was tom baker including the entire key to time story right. which is like 12 stories long or something like 12 episodes long so that took up a big chunk of it they had a little bit of the fifth doctor there's no sixth doctor they skipped over colin baker and then went to sylvester (laughs) with like a sylvester story so i watched everything that they had streaming on netflix you know i'm like comparing that to you know lists on like wikipedia or whatever and i'm like okay well i haven't seen any sixth doctor i haven't seen the tv movie yet and I found the TV movie on some random 
YouTube wannabe website where they played ads like every 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) The sound may have been slightly out of sync, but it was what, you know, what I could get my hands on. Right. Yeah. And and Um, that's a, that's a tough to get that. I think it, well, it's not quite, it went out of print here on DVD for a bit. And then there's a Blu-ray in the UK. Yeah. Not here. I have the the UK Blu-ray of it, but it's it's still not, they yeah, still haven't. Universal it. still owns the yeah. the rights to it. Well, they still haven't got the. It's just a TV broadcast on the Blu-ray. They haven't got the film quality actually yeah. to restore. Yeah. They don't know if they can find that, but yeah. Then I needed to find the Sixth Doctor, and I I found some Sixth Doctor the the same way, so I could finally be like, I've seen every Doctor now, and I don't I don't know what it is about the Sixth yeah. Doctor. He just like the minute he popped up on screen, I'm like. I love you. <laughs> and it's been that it's been that way ever since. So once in a blue moon, like that's how someone reacts to it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't I don't know what it I yeah, I don't know what it is that initially caught me, mm-hmm. but you know, looking back now, it's like the things I love about the doctor, especially that doctor, mm-hmm. is he was he was just so different than his predecessors. Mm-hmm. Oh, completely. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's just kind of outlandish and the doctor always thinks that they're the smartest person in the room Mm -hmm. and that's not always the case but it's just something about the doctor's attitude a lot of people i don't find him off-putting the whole regeneration that we'll get into Mm -hmm. and his you know how he is until the regeneration stabilizes aside the doctor's on that this Incarnation's always been kind of brash, just has an I don't give a shit attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care what you think. I'm going to do my thing and just get out of my way. And I think some, a lot of people, especially coming off of Peter Davison's doctor, who was kind of, you know, your young and handsome white knight hero, in this case, right. Cream. Yeah. <laughs> That that I think it was just a, just a, such a stark oh completely contrast in in character that it threw people off. But then you know that helps set the precedent for doctors later. I I think you can easily compare Colin Baker's doctor to Peter Capaldi's doctor. Oh, exactly There's a lot of similarities oh, yeah. between the two. And you know if you were to ask me you know favorite doctor all over, it's going to be six. But if, you, if you're like classic versus new, new who Capaldi's going to be my favorite. Mm-hmm. So, and they're, it's probably because they are very similar in, in character yeah, and hair. Sure. Surprisingly enough, as they as they go through, the hair gets bigger and bigger yeah, and bigger. Keep until it he regenerates. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they, like Colin Baker, yeah, he, with him at the time, like Peter Davison announces in July of 83 that he's not coming back. And that's before the five doctors. Mm-hmm. And Colin, Colin gets announced as a replacement in August of that year before the five doctors Colin could have been invited to come you know introduce like when they did day of the doctor they threw Capaldi in there but yeah and he was cast basically because well he had been in the arc of infinity in the previous or during that season which he was cast at the end of it and he, he, he apparently was a hoot at a wedding and that's what made Jonathan Nathan Turner who was the producer yeah want him in there and Turner, who would be the, he's basically the showrunner for 80s Doctor Who, like pretty much. And he pulled off the impossible in replacing Tom Baker with Peter Davison, who 
there was a resurgence in the show when that happened. It, the ratings went up. It mm-hmm. stayed consistent. Davidson was very was very popular at the time, and I think this is John Nathan Turner being like, I can do whatever I want. People are gonna love Doctor Who, so he was able to confidently take him in Colin Baker's direction, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, I want to go with a guy who's a little bit of a, you know, and he kind of, I don't know. Some people have said that Colin Baker's Doctor kind of like looks and feels like Jonathan John Nathan Turner as the Doctor because people talk about how he was in person Rock. and stuff like that and it's like almost like John Nathan Turner coming out through the Doctor but was was Colin the first real you think fan of Doctor Who to become the Doctor because his knowledge even like now he still watches the show and keeps up mm-hmm. but when he came into the role he could tell you everything others had been like oh yeah well I watched Patrick Chowton yep when I was young that was uh, but he seemed to keep with it. And I, I mean, as far as like an like a fan, fan, not like a I, fan, but but someone who like actually kept up and seemed to have a I, invested interest in the show. I don't know. I know that Peter Davison had kept at least at some point had been in contact with Patrick Troughton. Right. Yeah. Because Troughton was the one that told him three and out. Right. That is that's the best way to do it because of how demanding the role is. Mm-hmm. But and Collins was, I'm going to go and beat Tom Baker's record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it did not happen for him. Not even close. <laughs> Rewatching the, you know, the Colin Baker stuff. And it's like the Colin Baker years on the box set. And it's like, you know, 1983 or 84 to 86 or whatever. And yeah. it's like, it looks so short. And it's like, he didn't even get the two full years. Well, he got to be because, I mean, because of, you know, uh, when he became the doctor and then there was that you know time where it was not canceled, but on hiatus. hiatus. Yes. Like he got For some extended 18 time. months. But I, I, it's funny, his doctor touches four seasons while he only really has two because he's at the yeah. end of season 21, season 22, 23. And then if you count, you know, him getting, you know, his costume with <laughs> Sylvester, Sylvester in the McCoy blonde in the wig, that doc, you've seen the, some iteration of the sixth doctor through f- across four yes. seasons, but yeah. he doesn't have, and they shortened the seasons during his time as well. But yeah, so he comes in his outfit is i've seen it described as a colorblind willy wonka a christmas tree a living christmas tree a clown uh, it's loud that's but but that jacket is iconic like oh yeah it's ugly yeah. it's whatever it is but it is a doctor when you first is... look at it you're like oh my god but the more you look at it the more you're like you know this kind of works yeah like, it, it kind of it kind of works. I mean, there's nothing what Colin wanted. Mm-hmm. He wanted something actually very similar to what Christopher Eccleston right. ended up wearing. Yeah. But John Nathan Turner was like, no, this is 80s. It's the era of excess. And, you know, people are wearing neon everything. You know, right. you, think, you know, think you know, think of your, you know, your most tacky 80s fashion with bright colors and mm-hmm. spandex everywhere and all that but you know it's a good thing they didn't put him in spandex right but yeah so it was just that age of 80s excess yeah and just bright vibrancy but it, i mean in a way it kind of it telegraphs the who this doctor is though yeah. that he's like i'm going to be the center of attention mm-hmm. i don't care what you think of me right Look at me, love me, hate me. I don't give a care. He's almost got very master qualities to him. Yeah, 
yeah, um, as the doctor. So. And his outfit that he wanted, he did a series, him and Nicole O'Brien did a series of like straight to TV movies called The Stranger, which were kind of like, maybe they're Doctor Who, maybe they're not. And he <laughs> wore that leather jacket during mm-hmm. that, those. And then there's um, there's a bonus, there's a featurette on one of the DVDs where they talk about the Doctor's costumes, him and a comedian do, and then at the end they CG'd the costume he'd have liked on it. It was a black three-piece suit kind of thing Yeah. Uh, on the end of the twin dilemma here. But his companion, Perry Brown, Nicola Bryant, who's carrying mm-hmm. over, she was introduced in Planet of Fire a couple mm-hmm. of serials before where Turlo saved her and then he left and... If we count Chameleon, because I guess we got two, he left two. Yeah, yeah. And, and the master died. Right. <laughs> and she, she's, the, she's the first American companion, because Nicola Bryant it's is so totally weird to British. Hear. Yeah, was like, I've been watching, uh, re-watching stuff on the DVDs with the commentary on, mm-hmm. and hear Nicola Bryant talk in her natural accent is jarring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A little bit, especially because, you know, you've got the sound from the TV episode going on and she's got that nasally Americanized right. accent she's trying to and do. And she's saying British slang, kid slang, and American yeah. accent. Uh, and the fifth doctor, of course, sacrificed himself to save her life in the previous story. That celery finally came into play. It did. Brilliant. <laughs> Season 21 is where we start, which is odd, but this is the third season for Peter Davison, and John Nathan Turner wanted to switch Doctors in the middle of it, so you kind of, usually the Doctor would regenerate at the end, and you'd have to wait a whole year and Mm -hmm. then see the new Doctor, but this one, you got a full story at the end, and it just, to me, this is just, like, astounding because... A, a hit, a big show changes its entire cast by the end of it. Like nobody from the beginning of the season is here. You yeah. started with Peter Davison, Janet Fielding, Mark Strickson, and you wind up with Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant. Yeah, and, and Nicola just, uh, and Nicola was the seasoned person, right? Yeah, she was the with Colin of, coming into it, and she was, con- you know, she was a bit concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, as awkward as the Doctor and Perry's relationship is, she and Colin didn't quite hit it off at first because right. she wasn't sure how much she should like throw her not weight around but like knowledge around the fact mm-hmm. that she'd already been around for a couple of stories, yeah, and kind of knew her way on how production worked right you know she's the yeah even and she's like okay well do i still play second fiddle because i'm the companion or can i step up a little here because i've done this yeah. already a few times so right but now she and, you know she and colin are best oh, buddies yeah definitely yeah, she she and colin are like sylvester and um sophie yeah, sophie. yeah for sure and <laughs> This, I mean, this cast overhaul isn't the first time the show. Season four, when William Hartnell left, it started with Hartnell, Annika Wills, Michael Craze, and then ended with Patrick Troughton, Deborah Watling, and Fraser Hines. Mm-hmm. Um, that was reverse, where I believe The Smugglers was in the final block of season three. It just aired in season four, and Tenth Planet was the first thing they shot in season four. People can correct me if I'm wrong, but that was kind of the reverse. So, like, the first Doctor was only in the first thing they shot, and then... Mm-hmm carried on and for year one we are including this end of the episode which aired in 
March of 84. And of course, we'll begin next week in January of 85, but we'll end in March of 85. So that's like a year. It's just not a clean, it's just not a clean like 85, 84 or 85. So we're good. So today we will be talking about the final serial of season 21, The Twin Dilemma. In the aftermath of the events on Androzani Major and the Fifth Doctor's regeneration, Perry Brown must deal with his new form, the Sixth Doctor, and his pompous attitude, along with the horrifying side effects of regeneration crisis. After the Doctor chooses exile on the desolate Titan III, he and Perry wind up in the middle of a plot of an evil gastropod who plans to take over the world by having a pair of twins move planets in position to cause a blast that spreads gastropod eggs across the universe for galactic take over. The doctor discovers an old mentor is involved, but Asmail later sacrifices his final regeneration to save the galaxy as the doctor and Perry return the twins to their home. The Twin Dilemma is directed by Peter Moffat and written by Anthony Stephen. It stars Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant. The guest stars of this serial include Kevin McNally, Maurice Denham, Edwin Richfield, and Gavin, and Andrew Conrad. Peter Moffat, big Doctor Who direct. We'll talk about him again shortly uh-huh. when he does The Two Doctors, but he previously had done Modern Undead, The Visitation, State of Decay, and of course, The Five Doctors. And he did lots of British TV, including EastEnders. Anthony Stephen, his only Doctor Who serial. He was not asked back. Gee, <laughs> uh, yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even the I think the Warriors of the Deep guy got to write more series. <laughs> uh, uh, plenty of TV from this guy, including the Three Musketeers, the Count of Monte Cristo TV series, and the Third Man TV series. Kevin McNally, who plays Hugo, he was Gibbs in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He's on mm-hmm. The Crown. He's been on Twenty Four, Downton Abbey, Midsummer Murders, MI Five, and such films as The Spy Who Loved Me. Maurice Denham, he's in the movie we talked about on here a couple months back. Day of the Jackal, also in Sunday Bloody Sunday, and the Hammer film Countess Dracula. That's our cast for this. It almost had Peter Cushing as Asmail, which would have been interesting, and Peter Capaldi as Hugo. That would have been something. (laughs) As we've mentioned, the Twin Dilemma has multiple times been voted the worst Doctor Who story of all time, and Russell T. Davies has cited it as the beginning of the end. How do you feel about that, Rachel? I mean, where do you come not... at on the twin dilemma? <laughs> first, I mean, honestly, where do you come at? Was this the first Colin Baker one you saw? I don't remember. I don't think so. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't remember which the first one I've I watched. So okay. that was, you know. <laughs> seven eight years ago so nine years ago (laughs) i've slept since then but i don't think so because i'm i imagine that you know having the doctor regenerate and immediately strangle his companion may have turned me off uh (laughs) so not a good move yeah it's not great is it the worst is it worth dying on a hill for (laughs) no it's it's not yeah Uh, 
yeah, we'll we'll get to we'll get to my ride or die six doctor stories later. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's got some interesting things in it, introducing us to a time lord who is mm-hmm. not one of the stuffy capital time lords that we've seen with like deadly assassin and things like that where the doctor does go back to gallifrey every now and then and the you know the big collars yeah. yeah and all that it's always interesting when they they introduce a, a time lord who's not government i guess right <laughs> time lord and you know to again it, i don't they, they wouldn't have known this at the time, but they're setting up some precedences for things that we will see in the new series when Doctor Who, fi- you know, finally returns in the mid 2000s. The things like what the Doctor does leading into the regeneration seems to have a direct effect on how the regeneration goes Eccleston's doctor, you know, he knew he was generating and he regenerated and David Tennant's doctor, you know, he passes out and Mm -hmm. then ends up being, you know, asleep for most of his first story. But once he wakes up, he's like, whoo, great, you know, let's go. Mm -hmm. But then David Tennant's doctor holds off on his regeneration so that when he finally does regenerate, it's very explosive. And he (laughs) ends up, you know, almost destroying the TARDIS in the process. Matt Smith's doctor... Like he knew flash. it was coming. It bang because yeah. he was ready for it. Capaldi's doctor again held it off mm-hmm. and all you know crashes the TARDIS in the process because the the doctor tried to hold off the regeneration or whatever causes the regeneration just seems to have a direct effect. And in mm-hmm. Davison's case, he was poisoned, but right. you know he had to save Perry in the process, so he doesn't regenerate right away mm-hmm. and i got a I very think, evil regeneration yeah too. it's His a nasty dark, regeneration yeah. so I, I i understand why this doctor is affected the way he is post-regeneration but again that's not something i think they were thinking about but mm-hmm. it, it is right. it is something that has fed in, into the series since then you know him attacking his companion <laughs> strangling her that's a that's a one-time thing. Yeah, uh, so. I, I think, now, on the, on the choking thing, which is the, the the image you get when you think of Twin Dilemma, like it's yeah. hard, it's such a strong thing that it is wrong, yeah. like it's bad. Yeah. But, I mean, he's, he's, he's essentially sick. Yeah. In a way. And well, right this before is, I think it, this is, yeah. When this he's is, taunting her, that works. When he's being really creepy and eerie yeah. and wondering, that works. I like that. But when yeah. he physically assaults her, all right. Yeah. But the way he's taunting her, though, it seems like he's gone into like this paranoid state, mm-hmm. you know, where it's all like, yeah, Peary is a is a fairy, you know, this right. you know, sent to spy, and you know, it's very nefarious, and it's like, yeah, you're not thinking, you're like delusional and maybe hallucinating a little. And I've been binge watching ER, and people come into the ER hopped up on like PCP and stuff, so it's like, <laughs> you know, I just watched an episode where one of the nurses gets choked by a guy hopped up on oh, drugs, geez. so it's like, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, once he gets over it and settles, well, he, yeah, he gets over dramatic though, because he's like, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go in exile for thousands of years. And- yeah, again, he's not, he's not thinking yeah. straight. So. No, no, and. Yeah. 
and it's an interesting dynamic. I always thought it'd be interesting if they did a thing where a doctor had a regeneration that was kind of evil, and then the master had one that was good, and they had to flip flop for at least a <laughs> yeah. bit, and until they both regenerated into their norm, more normal selves. Yeah. But it's an interesting. They wanted a, a gruff doctor that wasn't likable, but by the end, damn it, you'd fall in love with the guy and watch mm-hmm. him and grow. And it worked. Did, he didn't get. <laughs> He didn't get that chance to fully flesh it out. I, we talked, I've you know, big, I'm sure I mentioned before, but like big finish audio is Colin, like Colin Baker, very involved in that. And he gets his character oh, yeah. to grow. And yeah. And he, he, yeah, his fan base has definitely grown because of big finish. Mm-hmm. You will hear a lot of people that mm-hmm. they're like, I didn't like the sixth doctor on TV, but once I started listening to big finish, mm-hmm. it's like, I like the character so much better. I loved him even before big finish. Right. So big finish for me, is just, you know, cherries on Extra, top of a yeah. very colorful Sunday. Right. I think like, yeah, this one, with the, the regeneration stuff and the TARDIS, uh, him picking out the clothes, Perry trying to cutely match him, and him being like, yuck. <laughs> she walked right into that, uh, though. She did. Uh, <laughs> I, I do like I like the dynamic they're trying to get to reintroduce the Dr. Perry relationship with this, where, mm-hmm. you know, she, despite what he does to her in the beginning, that's still her key to home or whatever, and she cares, like, when he... Uh, is in danger and she he takes note of that and then when she gets in danger he feels the reciprocal feeling so he's starting yeah. to come back to himself but colin in this episode like he is he's really happy to be the doctor he's 110 percent into everything like he oh is, yeah you can tell he's enjoying it he's playing to the back row of the balcony a lot yeah. of the times he is flailing arms he's hopping on tables like he is being like if you yeah. were in person, really, with him, really, you'd when think I the guy th- was hilarious, but it's yeah. not translating on television very well. Yeah, honestly, when I think of the twin dilemma, a lot of people probably think of the doctor, yeah, you know, with strangling, his hands yeah. strangling Perry. I think of that of that frame of him up on that table, oh, was- laying down with the hand yeah. out, to, like talk to the hand. Oh, it's hilarious! <laughs> it, it, it's a meme worthy. It's gif worthy. Yes. Like, yeah, it's definitely he. I mean, he's loud, and he got he has the thing where. I do like that they have his uh, a former mentor to him there, and mm-hmm. he can see what dark path that person, that guy has gotten, mm-hmm. and that could be, my attitude here could lead me to something like this, yeah. and possibly, maybe I'm looking deeper than they ever thought writing it, but it, I think it's kind of there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially considering there's some things in here that if you just if you look at the series as a whole from this to trial of the time lord mm-hmm. it almost seems like they're setting some stuff up that's going to occur in trial of the time lord but i don't think they thought that far ahead no cuz they had to scrap the next season and then redo it yeah cuz that's the whole the reason lord, they had so. the 18 month hiatus in the first place is cuz right. they were like we don't like where this is going yeah and we need to change some things but they ended i don't know if it, they etch retroactively then but I don't think that was the case either. I think Once, it's just us know, looking and finding I, stuff. Yeah, I think it is. There, yeah, but I enjoy that. because Yeah, it, yeah. It, and we so, could dive into that more when we get to yeah. try all the time. Yeah. Subconsciously, the line, so. subconsciously, maybe it's there from them. But yeah. I mean, there's. it's funny because he mentions that the last time he ran into Asmel was mm-hmm. in the fourth, you know, as the Tom Baker fourth Doctor iteration. Yeah. And now this guy's he's now a villain. They had fun times before and... At the time, Tom Baker would have been considered, and still to this day, gets considered the ideal iteration of Doctor Who. So they uh-huh. were once at their ideal points. Now he's this kind of jerky, violent guy, and here's the bad. He's like, uh-oh, maybe 
this is my path. I don't want to do that. But yeah. And then, like he just did, that Asmael sacrifices his last regeneration to save the universe. And he realizes he did that to save Perry and maybe connect some things there. There's yeah. some through lines. It's not a... While we talk positive, folks, don't pop this in and go, oh, wow, there's some really rich stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> this is having seen it m- many times over years. Yeah. And... As yeah, as discussing it, yeah, yeah, as a standalone, yeah, yeah, with the overall six doctor run, it's great, right? And the twins, uh, it's weird because they those, yeah, the problem is, is they hired kids who weren't actors, right? Weren't trained actors. They only hired them because they were the right age and identical twins. Right. Because they wanted identical twins. Uh, if they were supposed to be girls at yeah. first, and they decided to change it to boys. But yeah, they were chosen purely because they are identical twins, not because right. they act. Yeah. And <laughs> this was not a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen thing. <laughs> there, there is something that should be mentioned here that, since we are in season 21 at the end, the previous serial was The Caves of Androzani, which is one of the, I, I don't know your opinion, I think it's one of the best Doctor Who has ever been. Uh, yeah, like either for a lot new of who, people, it new is who or old who. Yeah. It's just it's well directed. It looks great. It's got rich characters, rich story. It's a hell of a way to go out. And yeah. it's followed by this, where they're now out of money. You go from this rich looking cereal to hokey cheapness of the eighties, which was there with Davison. Like mm-hmm. even even previously in the season, they just went for it. And the fact that that one gets voted the best a lot. And then this one's it's like they followed each other. What a stark contrast to have. Like I'm going off received fan wisdom, yeah. but it's it's a weird contrast to have like the best and then the worst like voting back wise. to back. <laughs> back to back. It's like yeah. Woof. And and Colin's doctor being such a different guy. It's a punch in the face. Like you were like, haha, Doctor Who is oh. That's why I think people I don't know, with Colin Baker's era, I think you need to take the punch in the face put ice on it and then go back and look at what you got because mm-hmm. um, I think there's not maybe not with a twin dilemma but with with him overall I think there's good stuff and a, and a decent run to look at yeah um, I mean it, other than some things that end up tying like I said into later things you could almost skip this one and just go straight to attack of the Cybermen. that was my suggestion I was going to say so. that at the end I was going to say that I think what if you the best way to do it would be to skip this, go through Attack of the Cybermen, maybe watch a few of season 22 serials, and then go back to this, and then continue on if you yeah. really want to see the twin dilemma. Because yeah. I think you can get a real sense of Colin. Because there's some of the hangover of I'm the new doctor in Attack of the Cybermen. That's good to see. What did you think of the aliens in this? The uh, the gastropods? The- <laughs> Big slug guy? Yeah, they're just and, giant slugs. And uh, the Jocassins, the feather people, the bird people. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh boy. Uh, Ooh, Doctor Shara- Who loves taking just random creatures from the land of fowl and feathered and insect mm-hmm. and the animal kingdom and anthropomorphizing them. And uh, for, yeah. I've, I've got some friends that that's like their biggest biggest pet peeve is when doctor who just takes a, a, a animal that you would recognize on this planet and anthropomorphizing it so instead of coming up with something way more unique but i mean they're okay 
the 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 plot is a bit this whole idea that this planet Jaconda mm-hmm. used to be this thriving planet and has now become like this barren wasteland right. because of these gastropods which according to the doctor were seemingly legend i guess on jaconda right. but turned out to be real but the whole idea is that there are these twins that are like super geniuses especially in math and asmel takes them to do the mathematical equation to move planets Toward the sun. <laughs> Towards the sun and, that's yeah. going to supposedly help Jaconda reanimate <laughs> with its plant life or whatever. But then the doctor realizes that there's one equation that wasn't factored in. And because of that, really, the planet will explode and send all these gastropod eggs flying throughout the universe where they can inhabit <laughs> other planets. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Because math. <laughs> yeah. And the shells will open when the sun hits them or something. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It's it's something ridiculous. But again, an unintentional thread, I think. But the idea of moving planets, we'll, we will see that in Trial of the Time Lord. And then mm-hmm. that's something they did during David, David Tennant's run with Stolen right. Earth. Yeah. So yeah, at the very least, you can appreciate it for that. Yes. <laughs> planets can be moved <laughs> yes so if you like if you like the stolen earth you can thank the twin dilemma <laughs> yes there you go yeah go back check it out that mind control with uh gummy lifesavers right yeah because <laughs> that's yes. exactly what they look like they do yeah he puts they look these, like uh, green Asmel gummy lifesavers puts these green circles on their yeah, can control and the gastropods can throw them it, their consciousness into another being yeah and that's or how they can, or they can kill you with the name aneurysm <laughs> aneurysm yeah and that's how asmel kills the uh, the mestor the main one by forcing regeneration while he's in him and dying yeah. like yeah yeah just ooh. but yeah twin dilemma polarizing to a lot of doctor who fans and stuff and it doesn't help that the the last line of the story is kind of like he, john nature trevor goes gives you a a Really different doctor that's very arrogant and kind of mean and does this whole story and then ends it with, I'm the doctor whether you like it or not. Kind of like John Nathan Terrier going, deal with it. I'm doing, you know, it's kind of. It's almost like he knew people were going to be pissed off. Yeah. It's like he knew and he's like, I don't care. Screw you. I'm doing this. And it's not like, it's not Colin Baker's, like Colin Baker's an actor. He's playing the doctor. He loves Doctor Who. He's trying to do it the best he can. This is words coming out and this would begin a turmoil time between john nathan turner and eric sayward the script supervisor because mm-hmm. sayward hated colin baker didn't want him cast and you'll notice in stories he takes some of the ones that sayward was more involved in he takes forever to get the doctor involved in it because he in the regular story because he doesn't want colin in there because he doesn't mm. like him revelation of the daleks being the biggest offender of that but we'll get there when we get there yep but yeah so this be- is the beginning of the end really for sayward and turner though this will last <laughs> a couple seasons of those two it cu- culminating yeah. in a you know when we one day get to the trial of the time lord their ultimate foe dispersing mm-hmm. but yeah so that's the twin dilemma a dilemma of 
twins. And despite any misgivings you may have about this, this is a landmark Doctor Who tale, despite your thought on quality for many reasons. It's Mm -hmm. obviously the first story to feature Colin Baker in his full role as a sixth doctor. But it's also the last four-part story at half-hour length for like a couple years of the Mm -hmm. show. They would go, as we start next week, they decided to change the format to a one-hour program and, well, 50 minutes or so, and two-part episodes. So they would, uh, the same amount of hours get covered, just short amount of episodes. And they also used to air on the BBC, would air two nights in a row. It would move back to Saturday nights, I believe, the original Doctor Who time slot. So that was a big deal. And if you consider Trial of the Time Lord a full serial, like nonstop, then this is the only Colin Baker classic four-part story that exists. Mm-hmm. So those are some notable Doctor Who factoids. And then Twin Dilemma is just, it's, you can't avoid it because it's more important than a lot of your, possibly your favorites, just for having those statistics. Yep. All right. As we find our next coordinates in the TARDIS console, we bid adieu to this adventure. Rachel... Where can people keep up with your times in these relative dimensions in space? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, for the Five-ish Fangirls, you can find uh, pretty much everything at the com. From there, you can find all of our social media places that we are. We're pretty much everywhere. All the main ones, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're also on YouTube. So we've got all of our episodes are up on YouTube, although you can also find us on pretty much every podcasting platform, but also up on our YouTube channel later. Back when we did conventions, uh, <laughs> video from conventions, and we actually, the not all the audio is up because I'm grossly behind in editing, but we started playing D&D when the pandemic mm. started last year. So um, all of our D&D adventures are also up there uh, for you to listen to. And considering three of us were noobs <laughs> playing <laughs> D&D for the first time, you can hear what a struggle it is. <laughs> <laughs> to learn how to play, especially online. Oh, yeah. Uh, when you don't have, you know, you can't have the DM, like, come over and be, like, pointing at things and be like, this, this, and this, and this, and do this, you know. <laughs> There's that, plus, you know, all of our ways you can financially support us if you are so inclined, Patreon and that sort of thing. As far as gold standard, not quite as out there in, in the social medias. Uh, best place for that is Facebook. Just look up Gold Standard, the Oscars podcast. I'm sure Brandon will put a link somewhere that you can follow. And again, as a podcast can be found on pretty much all of the podcasting platforms out there. Hashtag Jaconda forever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say the first time I met Colin Baker, I cried, but it was not because of this. We'll share some of your tales as we go through this. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yeah. I've been, I've been, I've been fortunate to, I've met all of the classic doctors, except for Tom Baker, all the living surviving classic doc, classic era doctors, um, except for Tom, because he doesn't come overseas anymore. So I would have to go to him and that's not happening right now. So, but yeah, I've met Colin a number of times and he is for as much as the doctor's attitude, especially the story may turn you off. Colin is the exact opposite. He's a funny guy. He yeah. is a funny guy. He's so sweet. He is absolute doll. 
every <laughs> it's taken several times for me to be you know to approach him and actually like you know speak and not be a complete mess you know because uh, the first time that i met him was chicago tardisier the 50th uh, because it was the you know the 50th anniversary year they went all out for that yeah. convention that year so they had peter collin paul mccann <laughs> a whole bunch of companions like Fraser Hines, Nicola Bryant, Daphne Ashbrook, like so many companions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was crazy. So yeah, the first time that I got to to meet Colin was for a photo op. It was with him, Peter Davison, and Paul McCann. <laughs> oh, wow. So I've got the fifth, sixth, and eighth doctor, you know, like right there. And I lost it. I absolutely yeah. lost it, like bawling my eyes out. Yeah, obviously happy tears, but still, I was just like, <laughs> you know, having a complete meltdown. And they sat me down right next to Colin. So I'm in between Peter Davison and Colin Baker. I got Paul again behind me. My husband is behind me. And Colin is such a dear. And he puts his arm around me because I'm like, because I think I managed to be like, you're my doctor to him and he was like you hear that guys you hear that yeah yeah so he was he was super super sweet and he i'm like yeah in the picture you can see and like i'm he's got his arm around me pulled him towards him and the the poor guy took the picture and you know i'm just like i'm you know colin and i are having a moment (laughs) right there and uh peter davison and paul mcgann i don't know what they were doing they're just sitting there just waiting i guess and yeah, we're having our moment and you know the person manning the line was all like okay you need to get up and go now there's still people waiting to get their picture taken it's like go and the camera guy was like she would you know colin won't let her go and i'm like nope (laughs) (laughs) he won't (laughs) so eventually we did have to part ways but uh but i ended up seeing him several more times over that weekend and i think by the like third encounter i was at least able to say hi (laughs) and give my name (laughs) for an autograph but so other encounters have gone much smoother and more interesting but we've got plenty of six doctor to talk about so i will all right i will i will will, uh i will save the story of me and colin baker's fingernail clippings for a a later that's a good cliffhanger yeah (laughs) there's your cliffhanger this is trial of the time lord we'd have you go (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right so i'm on twitter and instagram at brandon 4k uhd my written work is at ysobu.com there's still more for the brandon peter show this week but from old space i'm the companion whether you like it or not thank you for listening the brandon peter show is a creative zombie studios production produced by brad shoemaker and brandon peters Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Osman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com.
show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. <laughs>